need connection, accountability, support as you explore the next level version of you, give yourself a real gift this year, the gift of time. The Warrior Women Mastermind is starting again in January, a curated group of six amazing women in a safe, collaborative setting. Think you don't have enough time? The money? Wrong. Ask yourself if you're worth three hours a month and $25 a day. The biggest discovery some of the women who sign up for my mastermind figure out is they have so much in common with other women and that they have traded their worth for a to-do list. Set up your interview call with me by going to lizswadek.com. That's L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. Space is limited and will sell out fast. Don't miss this opportunity to put yourself first. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, warriors. Since ancient times, people have noticed the connection of all life on Earth with the moon. The moon phases alternate, cyclically and regularly. The first calendars created by humans were lunar calendars. This was great wisdom because people could live in harmony with the moon, plan their affairs according to the peculiarities of the lunar phases. Thus, a waxing moon accelerates the growth and development of all life on earth, plants, animals, your hair and nails, and a waning moon, on the contrary, slows down, freezes all processes. Then there are the seasons, summer, winter, spring, and fall, most of life is cyclical, seasonal. What if we ran our businesses from this perspective? My guest today explains a process she developed to bring forth any idea or business, which to me makes perfect sense. Rather than resisting and pushing, we follow the cycle, the seasons of our businesses. I think you're going to love this. I can't wait to bring you this conversation. Remember to hit that subscribe button. Follow us for more fabulous episodes. Okay, let's get to it. But first, if you're like me, you are sick of low-calorie snacks with zero flavor. We want something crunchy that has flavor. Well, I have found the perfect snack, smoky corn. Smoky corn is made with proprietary spice blends and crafted to be good to you and good for you. The crisp, crunchy kernels hail from the heart of Amish country farmland. Smoky corn is non-GMO, gluten-free, and vegan. It's low in calories and huge in flavor. Exactly the combination we warrior women are looking for. Smoky corn is now in the gift bags at the Cannes International Film Festival. Bravo! They offer many different flavors, but smoke and truffle is my favorite. To order this fabulous snack, go to SmokyCorn.com. That's S-M-O-K-E-Y, SmokyCorn.com. All right, everybody. Today on the podcast, Tina Wells. 
Tina is a business strategist, advisor, author, and the founder of RLVNT Media, Relevant Media, a multimedia content venture serving entrepreneurs, tweens, and culturists with authentic representation. Tina has been recognized by Fast Company's 100 Most Creative People in Business and Essence's 40 Under 40. For over two decades, Tina led Buzz Marketing Group, an agency she founded at age 16 with clients like Dell, the Oprah Winfrey Network, Kroger, Apple, P&G, Johnson & Johnson, and American Eagle. Tina is also the author of over a dozen books, including the best-selling tween fiction series, Mackenzie Blue, and its 2020 spinoff series, The Z-Files, and the marketing handbook, Chasing Youth Culture and Getting It Right. I love it, Tina. You never sleep. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't know when you ever sleep. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I feel like you have so many interesting things going on. So, but I like to start at the beginning, Tina, because I want to really know you. So tell me about your life growing up. Who were your role models and who helped you become the woman you are today? You know, I love this question. So tell you about my life growing up. I am the oldest of six children. I was born in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I kind of my like one of my first or earliest memories is of the farmer who would come to our home every Monday and say, this is what I have fresh for the week. And so I just loved that. I was raised in Southern New Jersey. My mom's family is from South Jersey and I still live in South Jersey to this day. So I visit my parents in Lancaster on weekends. Now they retired back there about seven years ago, but you know, so much of my life is being a part of a really big family, you know, and just, I'm the oldest. So, you know, we spend a lot of time together and I, I just, you know, love how I got to grow up and, you know, I'm definitely a child of the suburbs. That's for sure. So <laughs> still, and now an adult of the suburbs for sure. And what about role models for you? My role models definitely came from my family. So my mom has 13 siblings. She's the 12th out of the 14. Wow, these and are some big families. Oh my God. Very big families. And my father is an only child. And so um, like, I remember going to my grandparents' 50th wedding, like vow renewal. All that to say, I have over 130 cousins, but because my mom is the 12th, most of my cousins are older. And so very much grew up with a lot of role models, many examples of like what I wanted to do in life and how I wanted to grow up. But just, you know, having that many older cousins, you just always, you know, someone who's very protective or overprotective. And so, and my parents, for sure, I think with my mom, my mom taught me so many things about business so young and just seeing her and her role. And my mom's always been in like organizational management. She loves that kind of stuff. And she's been so helpful to me. And so, and I think as a child of the nineties, all the girls I saw on TV were such strong, interesting girls. If you think about me at 41, like Maya Bialik had Blossom as a TV show, right? So now she's back on Jeopardy, like loved Blossom. And so imagine being a teen girl and watching this, like these quirky girls who you know, there was no body shaming back then. It was just girls being girls, wearing what they wanted to wear or like Saved by the Bell, you know, reading Ramona books. So I feel like a lot of my quote unquote role models came from Laura Winslow, like the girls I was seeing on TV who were really these like really awesome, strong, spirited girls. And I just remember feeling like I want to be like them when I grow up. 
Yeah, well, maybe not like Urkel, but Laura Winslow for sure. <laughs> I loved all those shows. You know, it's, I'm such a kid, a TV kid too. And I, it's so funny that TV really does influence us. Like when I think yeah. back, I mean, I'm obsessed with Carol Burnett. I just went to see her live. She's like 80 now. And people were, I mean, crying, ta- telling her what they, what she means to them and all this stuff. And I thought, my God, it is amazing. Cause I remember watching Punky Brewster and Blossom and all these girls and thinking the very same thing. Like, these girls are very like in charge of themselves and they have personalities and they're great communicators. Like they would tell their parents that this was just not okay with them and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, like, I just like thought they were so, you know, strong. So I totally see that. So you started a business at 16. How in the world did you make that happen? Because it's a real business. This was not like a lemonade stand. Not that that's not a real business, but this was a real, real business. So tell me how, tell me about that. You know, that was, I always say I was an accidental entrepreneur. I didn't intend to start a business at 16. I didn't even know really what that meant. I very much stumbled into it. I, at 15, took a job as a product review editor, and I started sending companies. I wrote about my clips, and they would always say the same thing. If we send you more stuff, will you keep telling us what you think? And so to me, that was really the big opportunity was to just keep getting product. And I, you know operated for two years in this way, getting product for reviews. And then I was in college, I was a freshman in college. And someone said to me, you know, I want to tell you something really important. I just paid uh, $25,000 for market research. What you and your friends did was much better. You have a business, you should figure it out. And that was really how I got into the market research business. And so it was just being told, like, look at this. I, 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 At the time I had that phone call, I was taking an intro to business class with the head of the department. She, I then went to see her during office hours. She helped me make it a business. So I was just getting, you know, getting the right advice and the right help along the way. And then I was kind of off to the races running a business, but I certainly didn't start out saying, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a business. Like I wanted to go into fashion writing. This was just, I thought a means to an end. And it wasn't until I was like really into it as my career that I was like, okay, I'm really doing the thing. Like, this is my job, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting too. There's always points in our lives where someone's like, you know what? You should, I pay, you know, like someone just will say something to us and look how we just take it and run it, run with it. Like if, like if that person hadn't said that to you, like who knows what would have happened. And it's amazing how we can just like these sliding doors that we just go through because one person says something and we're like, that's interesting. You know, I mean, it's just amazing how life works that way. So you say you were living the dream, growing a seven-figure business and on an express train to burnout. So I I love that you say that because I think a lot of times, especially women, you know, we get all the cylinders going and we're having this great success and then we crash and burn. So tell me what happened and how in the world did you turn that around? Yeah, I, I, I mean, again, starting at 16, you can imagine by 26, I was like, what am I doing? You know, things were growing well. And at the time, I think was it, I was 25 because it was 2005. I had had a cover story in O Magazine. And so imagine, you know, the, imagine the power of the brand now. It was even more powerful back in 2005. And it was great. You know, things were going great. I had opened an office in New York City, again, really awesome post college. But I kept feeling like I just have no energy. I'm so burnt out. What's happening? And that was the first time my friends were like, we're going to go on vacation and, and don't bring your laptop. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what? I have to work. And then I had my first vacation without working. And, and I realized, like, 
oh, I'm kind of burning out. And that was the first time I realized like I need a system for me. I I kind of realized it, but it took me many more years to get that down on paper, how I launched big ideas. And what I realized when I started working on Elevation Tribe and then as a platform and Elevation, the magazine was I go through these four stages. I call them preparation, inspiration, recreation, and transformation. But I realized when I look back that I was always in preparation, inspiration. So I was always like, building to a big idea, then getting to the next stage, but I never fully formed anything because I just kept getting stuck in these two phases. And what I realized when I like taken the vacation was that that was the key to helping me kind of complete the cycle because I needed to take a step back to look at what's working, what's not working. How do I refine the idea? Who are the people I need to pull into the project to make it work? And now I I go through the cycle all the time. Like it's nothing for me to say I'm going on this vacation. You know, I'm taking the whole month of April in away with my fam. So all of us can spend time together. And yes, before that, there's so much work that has to happen. So much work, but the idea that that's not going to be work, you know, I'm building a lot of products right now. I'm doing a lot of stuff. So to have that time to reflect, take a step back, not take meetings, not get on Zoom, really, really thoughtfully look at everything is so important to the process. And and so that was the big aha moment for me. We think, I think so much in American culture, the idea that we would take a time out or take a step back, we feel like we're missing something. And and that's actually where I found in my own process where the refining happens and I get to something even bigger than what I was thinking before. It's such a good point. I had one of my mentors tell me today, okay, so what days in the week do you, are you not working? (laughs) And I was like, literally, like my pits were sweating. Like I was like, what are you talking about? What do you mean not work? What? But she, you know, she, like you believes and you have to have those reflection days because that's when you get the divine downloads. That's when you get the inspiration, right? Like you need that time. And I often work on the weekend or like, you know, and it's not work, work, but like, I'm, you know, look, maybe I'm thinking about having you on the podcast. Maybe I want to write your script, you know, like, so I do things, you know, now I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's seven days a week. Cannot do that. So I'm going to definitely take a pause, but So that is what led you then to create the elevation approach. So I feel like we've collectively been through so much. The pandemic, I say, love to joke, has lasted 18 years um, (laughs) because it feels like it. Um, It only does now that I think we've come to another year and back to where we all like started this collectively two years ago. I feel like now it's feeling like a really long time, you know, really long time. We got some fatigue going. So tell me a little bit deeper about the elevation approach and how we can use it. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, I think something like this, I love the idea of a divine download. I think that when you're creative, right. I have friends who, you know, like my friend Kate Northrup, who has the origin approach. And she talks about like when she started to sync her energy with the moon and body first business second, you know, it was a breakthrough for her. So I think I'm definitely not the first person to start talking about this. I think for me, I really believe in cycles. I believe in, I believe in seasons. I'm a person who really responds. I mean, I live in the Northeast. I really respond to four seasons a year. And I look at that. And when I started to kind of take a step back, I thought, huh, everything kind of works in these four cycles. And you need the cycle before and the cycle after to keep it going. And so for me with the elevation approach, it's about bringing any idea or any dream you have to fruition. And it's really just giving you a process by which 
to help you get something in your head out and into the world, whatever that means. So if it's a book, I want to help you come up with a process for the book. If it's, you want to open a restaurant, I want to give you the process that shows you exactly how you're going to go through the steps to bring that to fruition. And it's okay if you decide at some point in the process, I actually don't want to open a restaurant. It's even better, honestly, to have worked through your big idea and to know that you don't have regret. Because to me, I don't know if you ever feel this way. I, it really like hurts my heart when I'm talking to a friend and you hear regret in their voice. Like they think if only I had, right. And what I love about my process is it actually gets you through that. So if you say, I'm so glad I didn't, you're not taking up headspace thinking if only I could have done that better. If only I could have written that book where you're more of in charge of saying, you know what? I'm so glad I didn't write that book because if I had actually done that, I'm not equipped to do that. What I actually really want to do is produce a podcast, right? Like you might come up with something that you're like, I'm so happy I'm doing this thing I want to be doing. But to me, elevation approach just gets me through all the steps and stages to bring that idea to fruition, whatever it means. It could be planning a vacation. It could be, you know, the last year spent with my family planning our big vacation together and all the pieces and and making sure I'm not just pairing for the vacation, getting all these big things on, like, where are we like infusing fun. Where are we adding some, you know, the no days, you know, imagine the elevation approach is like recreation are those days on your calendar where you actually have nothing planned on the vacation, but it's the day when the most spectacular things happen because you don't have a plan. And so that's kind of, you know, I've, I've figured out how to work it into like seasonal planning, monthly planning, weekly, even down to daily. But the idea is that I'm always moving through these cycles in some part of my life in a different way. And what do you say this? Tell me the cycles again, because I, I missed that. Yeah, so it's preparation. Um, and preparation is when you're getting things started. So if you think about it, think about it as business. It's when you're looking at the numbers, you're just getting all those, all the initial facts, legal, like, can this really work? How feasible is this idea? And then if you decide it's feasible, you move into inspiration. And that's when you're like, I want to start to define my features and benefits. I want to do more digging. I'm going to get out and about socialize, right? So inspiration, you're kind of on the move, meeting and greeting people. Hey, I'm thinking about starting this company. Does it make sense to you? Here's what I think my key features are. Would you want that? So you're out and about. And then recreation is when you take a pause, right? So you've now done the numbers, you've done that stuff, you've talked to people. Now you come back to just yourself and say, is this still resonating with me? Do I still think this is the thing I want to do? How am I feeling in my body? How am I, do I feel connected to this idea? And then transformation is the last phase. And that's when you bring it all together. So now that you've had rest, now that you've been able to look at the numbers again, does everything still make sense? Am I still feeling good about this? How am I going to put this all together? I love it. And you're right. You know what? I imagine, you know, it's funny. Like I, I learned this a long time ago, like in therapy, but I remember I was having a lot of blocks about writing because I, I was a screenwriter mm-hmm. back in the day. And so sometimes I would get really excited about an idea, a script, and then I wouldn't finish it. And I had this therapist and she was like, listen, you have to complete the cycle because it's a creative cycle. And even if you don't want to finish that script, you're better off finishing it because energetically you're going to release it. And that's not up to you. The how is not up to you. So you're going to energetically release it so that you can start the cycle all over again. And from then on, I started being a little bit more of a finisher, but my husband is definitely an idea man and he gets really hot on something and he's not that damn it. And then he'll like, like, you know, won't get done. And so I can imagine how going through this process would be so helpful because you're right. 
even if you don't end up doing it, you wouldn't have the guilt feeling of like, oh my God, I never did that. And what if it would have been great? You know, like you would, you don't have that. So I, I think this is a super valuable thing. You're not romanticizing something that never should have ever been, you know, and I feel really great about saying, I'm so glad I never did this or that because I did the process and I know it wouldn't have worked for me, right? It's not that it wouldn't. And, and some things actually, I could birth so many businesses that would be wonderful amazing businesses. They're just not for me, right? They're not for my time or talent to be managing that. And that's what I love about recreation is you have that time with yourself to say, am I really the one to bring this forward? And the answer is a lot of times it's like, no, actually that's not what I want to do at all. I think it's brilliant. Well, you are the author of 18 books. And there will be 18. Yes. I have a total of 18. (laughs) I mean, I've never talked to somebody who's written 18 books. So I'm amazed. And I've talked to, well, no, let me think about that. Suzanne Summers, she might have 22. She might've beat you. I'm trying to think of how many she has, but my point is Suzanne Summers. And by the way, she's in her seventies. So you're a lot younger Um, and she's amazing by the way. But anyway, you're the author of 18 books and you have this tween fiction series. So I love this. And I love that you mentioned Blossom and all that stuff, because now I'm seeing a little something about you, Tina. I'm seeing something about you. So tell me, how did you begin writing for this age group and what about it resonates with you? Yeah. So, I mean, first I should say I am and was and have always been an avid reader. I couldn't wait for summer to read more. Like my dad would take the six of us to the library and we could check out, I think I could do five books for one week, like at a time. And I would come back a week later, having read them all to get five new ones. And I was reading really like groundbreaking literature, like Sweet Valley High and Sweet Valley <laughs> and, I mean, and Fear Street. I mean, everybody knows Goosebumps, but do you know the teen version that he wrote called Fear Street? Like my, we have one of my best friends, like every day we were reading a different one of these books. And like, Again, shout out to my parents who I remember my mom was like, you need a subscription to teen magazine. You need to know what teens are doing. And so my parents were, I was valedictorian. Like I, academics are very important in my household, but I really appreciate that my parents also wanted us to just have fun with reading. And I think as a writer, I see that show up so much. And I just want my readers to have fun with my books. Like school is school. My books are about life and tween life. And I was actually, you ask how I got started. I was as a marketing agency hired to promote a book um, from another company similar to mine. They had actually come up with a really, I mean, they created Gossip Girl and Sister of the Traveling Pants. And the publisher said to me, you could do something like this. And I said, oh, I'm so, so very busy with my marketing. I don't think I could do that right now. And then I, so that was the first time. Then maybe a month after that, I was doing focus groups on this new emerging consumer called a tween. And during a focus group, a mom came up to me and she said, you seem to know about things like this. What should I do? My daughter's 12 and she's reading Gossip Girl. And in that moment, I thought, huh, okay, this is something where I have a very unique set of skills where I can be helpful in this area. What do I want to do and how do I want to help and what do I want that to look like? And so I started writing what became Mackenzie Blue. And the mom was saying to me, you know, my daughter is reading, I won't say the series name, but a certain series, and it was very mean girl-esque. And she said, she's 10. I'm happy she's reading, but I don't want her to be reading about girls being mean to each other. And so that's where Z came from. I, I said, can I write a story about a girl who is nice and kind, but it's still really juicy and really fun. And like, you're getting all of those 
elements you want of these other series, but it, I want to make sure that for this tween reader, I'm teaching her good values. And that's when I think about the TV I watched in the nineties, what I loved about Blossom or Saved by the Bell, it was exciting. It was fun, but the characters also always somehow came around to like the right decision. You know what I mean? That it wasn't. Yeah, even if they made a left and were going bad for a while, they would come around to the right thing. Yes. They would come back to the right thing and say, oh, I made a bad turn, but here I am. And so that's really my writing style with my characters is I want to give you the fun. I think the fun is very important for tweens. I think it's very important to read for fun and not just to read based on what you have to read for school. And so that's what I write. I write about tween issues, where girls are at the moment. You know, middle school has very, very specific set of issues that are very different than high school or other. And I just, I love writing for this reader. I love it. I love it. I'm excited to check out these books. I have a 12 year old daughter but she is a super advanced reader like you. She like reads everything in the world. So I'm excited to introduce you. To, to, although she might know you already. I have to ask her. Well, the, Z files, the Z files might be right for her. Z is 13 and living um, in London with her family, but she goes to boarding school outside of London in the Cotswolds. And so I think for an advanced reader it will be a lot of fun, you know? Okay, I will be clicking literally <laughs> the second we get off here because she has a total fantasy about like living in Europe. She's like, she wants to go to school in London or Paris. Oh, She's already told me that. Oh my God, this is so perfect. I'm so excited, Tina. Okay. You say, and I love this. I love this, Tina, because I think a lot of people don't believe this. Everyone is creative. Everyone has the capacity to produce meaningful works of art. I love this so much. Let's talk about that. What do you mean when you say that? You know, I, speaking for myself, right? And there are probably other creatives that would argue against me and say, no, I have a very special set of skills. I think everybody has a measure of creativity and I think it's what we do with it. And I think it's understanding how we unlock it. Now I have a brother who is a musical genius. I mean, down to scoring films. I don't have his version of creative. He probably couldn't write a middle grade book. Like I do. We probably have friends who can cook a dish unlike anyone else that you've ever met or someone who can sew or do. So I think it doesn't mean we all have the same skills. And I think too often we compare ourselves to others, but I bet if you take a minute, there's something you do that is an expression of creativity. You know, I have friends who create amazing gardens. Like I'm struggling to keep the plants in my house alive, right? It's like you, everybody has the ability. It's what do you do with it? How do you cultivate it? How do you make, like, I'm just a person who has taken advantage of all of the types of creativity available to me. And I'm really aware of what's not available to me, right? Like I will not be writing any hit songs anytime soon. Like that's just not our music. Like that's not, but I'm so, um, happy and entrenched in my lane. And I understand how to get that output. It doesn't matter to me. And so that's what I mean is I really believe if everyone had a process, like I was working with someone who he wanted to write his own thing. And and if I'm being honest, the first draft of what I got was very bad. I was like, very concerned, like, who wants to write a book? It's not, I can't write, you know? And then I thought, you know, I spent many years teaching at the Wharton School at University of Pennsylvania. And I thought, there's, is there a process, right? Can, and that's, my theory is, you know, I knew how to run a business. Could I teach others how to build businesses? I did that with over a thousand students and I could. And I thought, can I teach a process to help someone unlock an idea that they already have? He had this very amazing idea about this, like, world, another galaxy. And I'm like, I am so confused. But once I put him into this system, 
the writing that came out, like the before and after was unbelievable. And I'm like, it's the process, right? Where you, you ask someone to tell you a story. We've been telling stories since the beginning of time, right? It's not, nothing unique that we can tell a story. It's how, de- like, it's how you put that story together. What's your process? How do you work through those characters? How do you develop them and layer them? You know, when you think about a storyteller like Shonda Rhimes, what makes her so amazing? Like there's so many elements of how she's creating characters, right? And you really get to a point with anything she's doing where you are so connected to the people. I mean, I just watched Inventing Anna. I was so connected to these people over 10 episodes, right? The, The richness of who they are, that's like a secret skill she has, right? And so you think about, okay, how does that skill come alive? The first thing you need is a process. Some people know a process called the artist's way, right? You get up and you write however many thousand words every day, that's the process. It's not my process. It's not what works for me. I'm a person who likes to create. I work a lot with writing partners, but every idea for every series starts with me. I create the world. I create all of the characters. I create the books. I create where things are going to go. And then I bring people in to help me. So if I didn't have a process, there's no way I could come up with 18 ideas for books, let alone participate in writing anything like that, right? I couldn't even come up with the idea. So that to me is really what I mean. Everybody can be creative. We can start to think about ways and start to think about the people in your life. I'm sure you can think of so many ways that they're creative and don't even know it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, how can people work with you if they want to work with you and they want to bring an idea to fruition? How do they work with you? Tell me. Just a few ways. So one, I created a course called the Elevation Approach that will take you through the entire process. And that's really focused on small business owners, or even if you have a side hustle where you're like, I don't know if this should be a business. I have that course. And then I'm excited. I have over the next year, some product that's going to be rolling out in partnership with a retailer. We all know quite well that will be focused on helping people unlock their creativity. And so trying something new, you know, not just product for the sake of product, but products that I really do hope will help you you know, bring your big ideas to fruition. Okay. So we're, when you can tell us, we would like to know. Okay, Tina. Absolutely. So when you can, are you going to let me know so I can let our oh, I'm totally going to let you know. And then also okay, <laughs> you know, good. Okay. go to tinawells.com. I do um, a weekly newsletter that is okay. also free. Oh, I, like I signed up for that already. Yeah. So you'll get some downloads. Sometimes I include worksheets, but you can also find information on the website for the course as well. Okay. I am, I am so doing all the things. I love all your things you're doing and I'm doing your things. Okay. It's time for party time. It is the speed round. Are you ready, Tina? Okay. I hope so. I think I'm ready. (laughs) You can't get it wrong. That's the good news. (laughs) What does it mean to you to be a warrior woman? Ooh, I think that means that you've survived some things and that you've come through them. A hundred percent. (laughs) Because we're not born warriors, but we become, that's for sure. What is a mantra or quote you live by? Ooh, you know, there's, I I will tell you, that's a longer answer. Every day at noon, I have a little ping that pops up and it's something I read in a Gabby Bernstein book many years ago. And the quote is, there's always a solution of the highest good. And I have it go off on my phone every day at noon because it's probably the time in my day where there's some crisis that's hit and I'm freaking out. And I need a reminder that there is always a solution of the highest good. I think that's great. And I think you should also have breathing alarms if you don't have one of those already. I recommend four a day. It works like a charm. Breathing alarms. And I set them to say things like, I let her lead. Or I say, when I'm a breathe, when I breathe, I'm a badass. 
And I have them at nine, at 12, at five, because I notice through the day, if I don't have those, I am spinning like a top. So it really helps. What are you most proud of? Ooh, uh, my relationship with my family. Mm, yeah, you have an awesome, it sounds like you're gonna go on a trip with them for a month. So you must actually like them. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a long time. What makes you feel unstoppable? Oh, having a very strong tribe, mm. like an elevation tribe, having a great group of friends or peers that's very supportive of each other. That is, that's a gift. I love it. What's exciting you the most right now? Getting to create new things. I think, you know, I've been in an area in marketing for over 20 years and now I'm doing something that's new and something where I'm learning. And so I'm really excited by what I'm, I'm learning and just kind of learning a new set of skills is exciting. I love it. All right. Well, that is it for us, Tina. We did this thing. Thank you so much for Thank coming you. on today. You are such an interesting and creative, amazing person. Thank you, Liz. This is great. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for everyone for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star written review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye. Bye.